Hello and welcome to the Quacked Out Podcast, episode uh, whatever. I don't remember what we're on. I'm Charlie Folkstead, joined as always by Reed Tingley. Uh, producer Paul Crest is out tonight. Um, not with he's, COVID, hopefully. He's serving a one podcast suspension for slandering <laughs> Tracktown on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Targeting against a uh, local legend establishment. So exactly. He, yeah, he will be unavailable tonight. Um, but <laughs> hey, we still got a good enough squad to pull through, hopefully. Um, yeah, definitely. Similar to tonight, I think it's safe to say. Uh, Ducks were missing may, maybe best target, Micah Pittman. Um out with COVID and uh, a few other notable absences, but let's get into the game. Um, Ducks trailed in the first half for a while. Some fans were really losing it over the fact that we were down by like 12 points. Um, Personally, uh, not to be pretentious, but like I I was never worried about this win, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it was was typical Oregon Twitter. Just, you know, (laughs) the sky is falling. This team's overrated. Uh, bench Tyler Shuck. We need to see Anthony Brown. All all the greatest hits. Not not sure if Mario's the guy. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't I didn't see that. I didn't see that one. Luckily, <laughs> if I'd seen that one, I really might have to get out the block button. I didn't investigate. <laughs> I'm hoping it was a joke, but I didn't I didn't <laughs> think it was worth investigating. Um, Ducks obviously. Trailed 19 to 14 at the half. Um, Washington State's offense was looking pretty good in the first half, to be honest. Um, although they only came away with quite a few field goals. Um, I guess they did have that touchdown that they didn't get an extra point on or two point conversion on, but which was a puzzling decision, by the way. Um, one of a few different puzzling decisions we saw tonight. But I, I mean, this we covered the spread, right? I know that doesn't mean everything to people, but. I, I'm very convinced that this was a solid win and that this team is legit. Not yeah. like legit, legit, but we'll get into that. It's it's symbolic, at least, to cover the spread for me. I mean, we t- we kind of touched on the last episode. It had been 10 years since Oregon covered a spread against Wazoo, and, and it just had felt, especially in the last six or seven years, like we just had a lot of crazy games against the Cougs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was, I mean, and this one felt crazy for a while, but it was nice to come out on top and, and pull a little pull away a little bit by the end before we get to the duck side of things i mean for washington state i think they still have a really promising team i mean they still don't have max borgie in this game who's probably their best player um other than bell maybe who who had a pretty good game himself on the receiving end of things 10 catches for 158 and a touchdown um but Jaden delora looked really good in the pocket um the ducks finally got some uh some quarterback pressure, which is something I know a lot of fans are looking forward to after the uh, no sack stat from last game. But I, I really think this was a complete performance in the second half, especially other than maybe the kicking game. But I don't think we need to get into that either. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you made a, a really good point about um, Washington State, though, because at least um, we're recording this before the Washington game. So I would say, I mean, of the of the four teams we've seen in the North so far, I think they look like the second best. They look better than than Oregon State and better than Stanford um, by by a decent margin, I would say. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things to be encouraged about with Washington State, and and if Washington doesn't find a quarterback or something, I mean, the Cougs could be in the hunt for for second in the North. I don't yeah, think totally. That's ridiculous. The the offense, especially, I thought looked really good. Their O line uh, had been hyped up by some Cougs fans, and mm-hmm. it. I mean, we didn't get as much pressure as I thought we might have against them. And um, even without Borgie, their backup Macintosh was really solid. They got a pretty good wide receiver group. Um, and and Delora was good. I mean, he he didn't show any fear. He doesn't have, you know, the best arm. It, he's, yeah. you know, it's not like watching DJU at Clemson uh, <laughs> as a freshman. I mean, he, he looks like a freshman sometimes, but he was good, so... Yeah, I think I think you're right that this is a solid Cougs team. Yeah, and I mean, Delora again, kind of kind of a typical Wazoo quarterback, right? Playing to his strengths. I mean, Rolovich has. I feel like he has his offensive patterns figured out for what works for Delora and doesn't. Um, especially when you guys got guys like Bell catching the ball. I mean, it just makes everything easier too. Um, yeah. But we did see some nice balls from uh, Delora today. 
and uh, he didn't have any picks, which Chuck did. So I, I don't know if it's safe to say Delora outplayed Chuck in the game, especially when you factor in what Chuck did on the ground. But um, I think, it, again, yeah, encouraging performance from Wazoo. And I think we should see them making noise in the north, hopefully not at the top of it, but somewhere near it. Um, right. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. I mean, the interesting thing with this shortened season is the Ducks – I mean, winning that head-to-head matchup over someone gives you such a decisive advantage mm-hmm. in the race because Oregon would literally have to go two and two mm-hmm. for the Cougs to make the the um, top-seeded. And that's that's kind of crazy to think game. about, right? We only need <laughs> we've only played two games, and yet two more wins could pretty much clinch the North spot already. Like, yeah. I guess that's yeah. a positive out of this shortened season. So. Right. Yeah, and I guess we'll see how it all shakes out with cancellations and everything um, in this conference and, and around the country. But, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy, definitely. And so, I mean, we already touched on Delora a little bit. I think on the defensive side of the ball for the Ducks, the real progress was made on the ground. I'm looking at the box score right now. Uh, Wazoo, only 3.7 yards per rush. That's not, like, ideal, but, I mean, it's – it's encouraging considering the 321 that Delora put up through the air. So again, this is not the Mike Leach air raid. Like this is a run and shoot. It's different. McIntosh had a decent game, 16 carries, 92 yards. And of course that touchdown, but I, I think the defense showed us something tonight. Um, even though there were some shaky spots, uh, obviously Lenore got ejected and we didn't have McKinley in the first half whether it was Verone or Vernon, I wasn't sure. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, all things considered, like, without forcing a turnover, the defense, other than that, played pretty well. And, hey, only only four penalties on the night for the Ducks as well. So lots of encouraging yeah. signs, I think, from a all-around, like, you talk about culture all the time and how, I mean, this is how that translates onto the field, right, is in things like discipline and staying to your gaps and, you know, making solid tackles. And we saw that more in the second half than the first, for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is a scary Pac-12 road game. And so many good teams in the history of this conference have gotten tripped up in exactly situations like this. So to turn it around and and take and pull away at the end was good. I think um, you touched on the defense a bit for Oregon. I think I'm I'm maybe a little less optimistic than you. I I don't know, for me, it's a little bit man-to-man because I think, uh, I mean, I feel really good about some spots. I feel really good about our corner spots. I thought Lenore looked good again. I thought Wright looked good. Um, I mean, Noah Sewell got the start tonight, we should mention, and Mm -hmm. he was really impressive. I mean, he just had a hunger to make plays. I think it was one of the, maybe the first sequence of the second half for the defense and he came out and got a tackle for the loss where he was just hammering at the ball and, mm-hmm. and could have almost poked it out. So that was really big. Kayvon was a beast all night in the run game, especially oh, yeah. um, just such a com- complete player in year two. But I mean, that was, that was kind of it for me at times. I, I kept looking in the close game for someone else to step up. And it's not, I mean, you know, I haven't done like a rewatch, obviously. And, and in the heat of the game, it's, you can miss things. But, it, I mean, those were the guys I saw and felt confident in were our corners and, and Sewell and Thibodeau. And sometimes I was looking like, you know, when is when is Jordan Scott just going to throw a man off and, and bust through for to stuff a run? Yeah. Or when is Mace Funa going to come up with a big tackle for a loss? or chase a guy down. Um, Adrian Jackson had a really good chase down on Delora in, in the end of the first half, I think, on mm-hmm. a third down. But I was, you know, guys were solid. It wasn't like they were getting burned um, a lot. But who, I was I was hoping that I would see some plays made and, and some aggressiveness to make the plays out of some more guys on our defense. Yeah, I mean, another guy that, I think is worth mentioning, even though he had a very mixed game, um, even by his standards, was Nick Pickett. Obviously had the targeting penalty, which I already mentioned, and got ejected, which was, I mean, kind of questionable, I think. Um, 
but sorry, I was watching you, Doug, get a punk walk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he was leading the team in tackles, I believe, when he at the time of his ejection with like seven, I think. So I mean, yeah, he he missed a lot of coverages, and obviously, I think we're kind of seeing why he got sort of replaced towards the end of the season as a starter against yeah. um, as opposed to Breeze. But I I that's someone who I can see as like making or breaking how the Ducks perform overall this year because he's in yeah. such a crucial role on defense at that safety spot. And, I mean, it would really be a shame to have him or somebody else, like, as influential as him be less of a factor than we're expecting this early. Um, right. But still, I mean, it's still the second game, right? It's it's right. really hard to overlook that right now because so many teams are playing, and especially now that we real, really feel, like, in the rhythm of the season, so to speak, like, that it, it wasn't a great performance from Pickett. Yeah, no, it is kind of jarring to to sit back and realize this is our second game. And and it's also a hard second game, or harder than some, you know. I mean, some years we're playing Portland State here or Montana or yeah, exactly. San Jose State or whatever. Like, this is cupcake season. Right, yeah, and, and we're playing. And, and in those games, you get off to a slow start or whatever, and you're only up 14-7. Mm-hmm. But against Wazoo, when you get off to a slow start, you, you can trail by 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I was, I mean, I was looking around at, uh, towards the end of that first half before we scored to go into halftime, and I mean, the lines were very in Wazoo's favor. I mean, Vegas really thought that we were going to squander this one. Um, they, were, they seemed really convinced that Wazoo had us figured out um, for their offensive purposes, our defensive ones. But again, defense really stepped up in the second half, and the offense more than anything is what impressed me tonight overall. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can't say enough how impressed I am with Joe Moorhead stepping in at the coordinator's spot, and I just had, I had so much more confidence coming out of halftime that we were going to make the proper adjustments and put together a good drive mm-hmm. than I would with Arroyo. Uh, is kind of the hard truth of it. Yeah. And in this game, I mean, the that final touchdown before halftime, I don't want to say it like was reminiscent of US of the USC game last year cuz obviously those are very different circumstances and like we ended up laying over 50 on them by the end of the game, but like right. in terms of that momentum shift, I mean, whether it was another big Mikhail Wright return, obviously you didn't get it like past midfield or anything, but it was a huge momentum boost. Huge. Yeah, it's exactly like what he did against um, Wazoo last year at the end of that game. He had mm-hmm. a big one that he took right out to the 40, and then um, we completed those passes to Jawan Johnson, set up that ending field goal. But, yeah, I mean, you know, even when you don't break those all the way, just getting it to right around midfield, and, I mean, it, it makes it so either you can compete complete like passes for a couple passes for 20, 30 yards and get a field goal up, uh, or then the factor of, of, the, of you being close enough where that midfield's um, gains are still like something you can threaten to get mm-hmm. means that they can't just put everyone in prevent defense way back and then you see someone like Jalen Red sneak behind them and, and Chuck threw a good ball, gave him a chance, and... I mean, Jalen Red made the play, which was huge. Uh, exactly like you said, huge momentum changer. Yeah, and those are two guys I want to mention, um, kind of as my offensive MVPs for the night. Shuck obviously had a fantastic game, 21 for 30, 312 yards. That's 10.4 yards um, uh, a reception and four touchdowns, only the one pick, which, again, we saw him do this exact same thing last game, just one bad decision where he tried to thread it in, and it's it was just not. The look was not there, Um, but he corrected it and he made the most of his opportunities and he looked like the starter tonight. I think it's, if there were any doubts after the Stanford game, and even if there were doubts in the first half, I think he definitely put those to rest with his second half performance. I mean, he was phenomenal. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I I was, um, I think he looked a little rattled in that first half at times. I mean, you know, obviously the turnovers um, in the interception and on the fumbled exchange were really bad for us and put us in a dangerous spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he settled in and, and I just hope that he has confidence in himself because 
when he plays well, I mean, we can hang with anyone. Like, we scored four straight touchdowns to close that game out. Yeah. And and every, and every a lot of them were big. I mean, um, both of the last two, like, we, uh, you know, there was pressure. If we went three and out on either of those possessions, then Washington State was going to have the ball back. And with how their offense was looking, it, you know, it wasn't a guarantee that they wouldn't get it in the end zone. So uh, he did a great job there. My guy for offensive MVP, uh, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Travis Dye. And, nice. And I, I think it's important just to say that a lot of, or acknowledge that I think a lot of fans have felt like Travis is a guy who is brought into the program kind of based on his brother's success here. Mm-hmm. And like he's maybe not capable of playing at this level. And, and I've felt that way at times even. Um, but it was just like in the biggest moments of this game, he always was showing up down the stretch. He, he had the fumble early, the first turnover that got it going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he turned around and he had huge ones. I mean, obviously he got, um, he got that first touchdown of the second half, uh, to take the lead. And then he got, uh, that super long, uh, 70-yard touchdown pass that Chuck threw a great one from him. I think it was on a wheel route out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. But Die burned him. Chuck put it in a perfect place, and then Die caught it and outran him down the sideline. And both of those were just huge plays, especially that third and um, six, I think it was, Yeah, uh, kind of backed up for us. I mean, if you know, third and six is not easy to convert. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a, you know, 50, 50, 40, 60, something like that conversion rate there. Um, and Die burned him, took it 70 yards, and that totally, I mean, that play probably was what made me feel the most comfortable because it took us from a six-point lead to a 14-point lead after the two-point conversion. Uh, and then he broke out a couple of big runs too And when we were just kind of trying to keep moving the chains um, on sweeps and stuff, he'd get to the outside and, rattle off 25 yards or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was really impressive. And and I think it just um, gave me some more respect for his style of play and the fact that even though he maybe isn't the most explosive athlete on the roster, I think he's smart and hardworking and has a lot of the same characteristics that Ducks fans loved seeing from his brother for four years. Um, and he was big for us in the key moments down the stretch. I mean, I don't know if we um, win this game without him, or at least I don't know if we win it with by two touchdowns without him, certainly. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen these kind of guys in the past for Oregon. This is what makes us special, whether it's somebody returning a big kick like Mikhail or, you know, a utility guy who can catch a pass out of the backfield or take a carry through a hole a really long ways like I did tonight. You both of those things, like... It's just those kind of utility players who just give you explosive speed. And I was, that was, I mean, it was like validation for me when Die hit the end zone. Because, I mean, yeah. we've seen so many times, whether it was last season or what, what have you, where like, I mean, it's a little thing, but guy breaking down the sideline gets caught, you know, or just, mm-hmm. you know, can't make a move and make somebody miss and get to the end zone. But the downfield blocking was great. Die's reading with the, situation was great and he got into the end zone one of his two touchdowns like it it was just extremely validating to see somebody finally hit the end zone and another thing you touched on that I really want to mention is third down that was that was on a third and six from our own 29 and our third down efficiency this game was seven for 11 last week it was nine for 11 this that's huge obviously we don't want to be in that though we don't want to be in as many of those scenarios as we were even but the fact that we could convert even seven of them is is a pretty big plus for an offense with a brand new or quote brand new quarterback, right? Well, and and I should even mention that we were two of two on fourth down. Yeah. So I mean, really, and and some of those third downs set up a short fourth down convert, you know, mm-hmm. conversion possibilities from a yard or two. Um, so I mean, really, we were almost nine for eleven yeah. on, on third downs. Yeah. I mean, in setting up the fourth down. So yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's the sign of a team that doesn't get rattled, right? Even though we're on the road, yes, there's no crowd, whatever. Like, 
it's it's important for a team to be able to make those kind of plays when they really matter. And I think that's, again, that's a culture thing. Like, I know it's just third down since it seems like a kind of random stat, but like that's that shows that everybody is on the same page, that nobody's getting rattled, nobody's making like rash decisions in crunch time, right? We, we had a couple mistakes <laughs> in the early going when, when things weren't as high stakes, but I think I... I trust this offense to give us maybe like a game-winning drive if we had to, right? Yeah. In a two-minute drill type situation. No, and, and the, the importance of those third downs can't be overstated. I mean, that's what makes or breaks drives a lot of times is when you get behind the chains on first down or second down and then you're putting that spot and it's like either you, you get pushed off the field and you give the ball back to the other team's offense or you come up with a big play and you keep the drive alive. And being able to do that is is makes great football teams. Yeah, I mean, yeah. only only one punt tonight from the Ducks. You love to see that. Yeah. Obviously, we had the missed field goal. Like whatever. Um, <laughs> that, uh. Yeah, it really is is a strangely reminiscent offensive game of last week. Actually, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the one missed field goal there. We had a few turnovers, um, and then we had a lot of uh, success towards the end of that game. Um, getting touchdown drives. But one thing, um, you know, just to just to touch on something that's a little concerning is obviously we mentioned the third down efficiency is a positive that carried over from last week with this offense. I think a negative has to be the turnovers again. Because Definitely. last week we had two and and I you know in my I kind of just dismissed it and said, oh two turnovers, you know, you can't really um, predict those Chuck made a bad pass the other one was a fluke fumble mm-hmm. you know wh- whatever it happens um, but seeing three in this in this first half uh, was concerning like okay is is this going to be a trend for this Ducks team because given the other team the ball three times is a recipe for disaster and at a certain point it's we're going to have to just be more careful with it because you can't do that and expect to go unscathed through Pac-12 play like this team wants to do. Yeah. And then also, the I mean, <laughs> right. And then also, um, you know, it, it would be nice to force a turnover or two in these two games. The fact that we didn't, didn't force one's disappointing. And it, those plays aren't something that you can just snap your fingers and create, but being in the right place and making a play, um, uh, can shift the momentum of a game. And, and so, it's disappointing that those haven't come yet, but I think you know turnovers are not the most dependable stat. I mean, obviously, only a, a few of them show up in any given game. Um, yeah, but to your point, I mean, this is kind of what Avalos has wanted to build his defense around: is creating situations of panic and havoc for the defense in which you create turnovers. Now, again, right. we're only two weeks in, but still, it would be nice to see a turnover. You know. Just, yeah. just go our way. Like, yeah, I mean, those are just, like, as a fan, the turnovers are just, like, the best part of the game almost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, just the, mo- the like, range of emotion when it's the other team's ball one second and then you pick it up. It's, like, so fun. Yeah, and so I forgot. I completely forgot to make my point about Jalen Red. I mean, he made some great catches tonight, and whether it was him catching it or we saw that incredible second third fourth effort play to get the first down in the red zone i mean he balled out five receptions 99 yards no touchdowns doesn't seem like an incredible stat line but i think he was far and away the most um threatening organ receiver tonight um although kudos to dj johnson too for that first drive uh performance i mean he had a great touchdown catch tonight and i'm glad it showed some of his athleticism that we saw in the first game but it was again more validation of that yeah i mean really i i just want to touch on that whole receiving group because obviously we mentioned no micah Pittman is a big blow i mean micah Pittman is he's not our most experienced receiver but he's maybe our most talented receiver Mm -hmm. um i mean devin williams has a lot of upside too i guess but um micah Pittman's a big force on this team and he made a huge catch for us last week and not having him on the road, um, you know, could have hurt us uh, worse than it did if, if these guys hadn't stepped up. So, I mean, Jalen Red took on, as far as, you know, actually catching the balls, making big plays, 
he took on the biggest load of that, I think. Um, Travis Dye obviously had a couple big ones in the passing game. Um, Devin Williams. Devin Williams had a couple big catches. Yeah, Devin Williams showed up, and he's a guy a lot of fans have talked about. Um, And he made his presence felt tonight, I think, for the first time, really. Um, And then DJ Johnson was really solid. I mean, he looks really, really like a good option at tight end. And then the young guys, um, Hudson and Delgado. Oh, yeah. They weren't. They didn't make any jaw-dropping plays, but they had some good, really good catches in key moments. Um, I think Delgado had a big one on a third down. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, they were just filling in, you know, doing their job blocking as well as they could, just like, just like willing to take the opportunity and and take the fact that maybe some mistakes come along with that, or you know, they're not going to be the best player in the game like they were in high school or whatever, but. Um, but they, you know, looked like they should deserve to be out on the field. Yeah, and I mean, also, uh, lastly, of course, Johnny Johnson only had the one catch, and it was from the two-yard line but for a touchdown. But, I mean, we saw him, his great route running, as a testament to opening up red for his big catch. Um, early. Right, so, yeah, totally. Like, it's, it's not always about what you see in the box score. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. total, like, if I could give sort of a group MVP to a, to a uh, position group for this game, it's definitely the receivers. Yeah, well, yeah, I totally agree with that. And and like you said with Johnny Johnson, I mean, it's sometimes the ball doesn't come your way, you're covered, or the defense just doesn't give you a look that allows you to feature yourself in the game. But he kept working hard, running routes the right way, you know, running hard, blocking hard, and then we get we rewarded him with a little two-yard um you know, pass off a motion in the flat and he, you know, got it, got in the end zone. Um, And so, you know, the little things for him were big and he's a big leader for this team for sure. Yeah. Um, Real quick, run plat, run, geez, run pass splits for the Ducks. Uh, 30 30 passes, 36 um, rushes, so pretty, pretty even distribution. Shuck had another good game on the ground, um, nine carries and 81 yards, but it's really about when he decides to tuck and run and when to make those decisions to help gain yardage or get a first down that was really the, the effectiveness part of that. Um, he had that long 33-yard run as well. So, I mean, I, I'm really excited to see that phase of the game um, continue because obviously we didn't run Herbert a ton last year and a lot of fans wanted it. And now that we have Shuck, I mean, it's, again, I keep going back to validation, but it's it's sort of, this team is validating because we're seeing things that last year's team didn't do. Although, on the reverse side, we are, you know, thinking about things from last year, namely the turnovers that we would like to see translated into this year. So it's it's a growing process, and this team is learning still, but I think a two-touchdown win on the road against a quality Wazoo team is nothing to be ashamed of at all. Yeah, and again, I mean, hopefully it doesn't become a trend, but overcoming that, uh, you know, three-turnover deficit and still winning by two scores is impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, And you hope that that's just, you know, variance that we, we were on the wrong side of the turnover battle and next week we'll be on the plus side. Um, But that's something to monitor, I guess, going forward. Yeah, and lastly, I mean, the fourth quarter, 22 points outscored the rest of, well, I mean, basically equaled the rest of our total for the game. Like, I didn't feel nervous at all going into the fourth quarter with this one. Like, even though we were only up two points, or what I think it was two points, I, I didn't, I felt like the game was still in hand and that it was ours to lose at that point. And that was... Um, that was very. So you, that made me feel very secure. <laughs> you didn't feel nervous at all, though. I really didn't, to be honest. I know at times I probably should have, but I really didn't feel nervous at all during this game. When when we're down, when okay, when they have the ball with six minutes left and we're down nine, or like when they're marching in our territory, when they have a first and ten in the red zone with forty five seconds left in the half, you weren't nervous at all. And they're up nine. I mean, no, mostly because like, I, I seriously, no, I wasn't like I, I trusted Mario's coaching to be able to get us 
over the hump in the second half. I mean, I, I just kept going back to the fact that we had three turnovers and that that's not our game. And yeah. those, those errors were corrected in the second half. I mean, I, the kind of mantra I kept telling myself in my head was like, okay, if we don't turn the ball over, we're going to be fine. And we yeah. weren't. So I, I, really, I really wasn't nervous. No. No, that's true. I, think, I actually think that uh, Jalen Red's catch there kind of has a lot of parallels to the Pittman catch we saw last week in that it was a moment where I, got, I just felt like the team needed a spark plug play something that just like got them back locked in and and gave them like a reason to fight through it um and i thought micah's one-handed catch was huge last week and i thought when jalen red caught that bomb um to put us in a position to score it was like oh my god with all of like the sloppy play and mess this first half has been we're gonna be down five going into half and get the ball and and at, at that going into half i felt fine that I thought uh, Cristobal would get our, our guys in the right headspace and get us locked in for the second half. But I was I was nervous when it looked like if Wazoo had scored on that last, scored a touchdown before the half and then we didn't get um, you know didn't get a rebuttal in mm-hmm. before half and we'd been down like sixteen. I mean that would have been pretty scary. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's again, not, it's... but but our defense showed up and stopped him and then we did get the big play so yeah yeah I mean I mentioned a mantra I was kind of telling myself um the other one was you can't kick field goals like Washington State kept having to settle for field goals and at that point I kind of knew like okay you're allowing us to get back into this game I'm not advocating that they should have gone for it or whatever in certain in those scenarios but like it it was relieving (laughs) when they kicked field goals to say the least um and we capitalized on it, right? We made it count, and that, that's what matters. So yeah. I, was, I was really proud of the way that the defense stepped up tonight in the times that it mattered, namely the second half. Should we do uh, defensive MVPs real quick and then move on to some other games? Yeah. Do you want to start with defensive MVP? Yeah, um, I can do that. Yeah, I'll start with uh, – I'll just take the obvious one off the board. I'm going to give it to Kayvon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I mean, it was, it was when we needed the big play, when we needed something to stop their run attack, he was stepping in there for a tackle for a loss. He was, I mean, he was just making plays that he had no business making, really. Um, and he was kind of the main guy I felt that way about all night, was like, this is a factor that, um, that he's doing stuff he's, like, not supposed to be doing out there in a good way. <laughs> um Whereas I think the other guys, even though, you know, a lot of them didn't make huge mistakes, I didn't see them, like, busting through and, and making these big plays that totally changed the complexion of the drive in the same way. Yeah, I mean, KT was mine, too. He he was pretty much, like, the biggest bright spot on this defense. I don't, I don't want to say the only bright spot, but he's the pretty obvious choice, and he, he was mine as well. But, yeah. I mean, I think, again, to your point, like, the defense didn't collectively play great, especially in the first half. There were a lot of issues with just missed tackles or missed reads on in coverage, um, allowing guys to get open. But I also think Wazoo's play calling was really good. I mean, they found the spots um, that they needed to find in our zone when we ran it, and they were beating us one-on-one. Um, and they were, yeah. they were beating us behind, too, which was kind of scary. But, yeah. Yeah, I would say in, in general, I was a little disappointed in this game because when Leach left town, I kind of thought, oh, maybe this Wazoo program won't be like such a pesky kind of thorn in the side and they will just kind of play to their talent level and, you know, we can it'll go back to the days when you could just chalk this up as a W. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't really think that's going to happen anymore under Rolo. I mean, I think that as Oregon builds its program, it should be able to beat Wazoo with consistency. Mm-hmm. But um, I still think it's going to be a you know an irritating game to game plan for because I think Rolo's a good coach and and like you said, I mean the offense was impressive for them tonight. Yeah, totally. Like you, I, I thought this program was trending back towards the what what we're used to with Wazoo. And I kind of thought it was, I kind of viewed this hiring as a downgrade from Leach in many ways, but 
I mean, I think for all like two Wazoo fans that might ever listen to this, like this is this was a promising performance. Like they they played well against us. I think right. somebody else from the defense that we can mention is Noah Sewell. We we mentioned him briefly, but he had the sack. He had four tackles, which ended up being our third leading tackler um, on the night, if if you count Pickett as well. But I think Bennett Williams is also somebody that I want to mention um, as a backup safety stepping in. He had a great game, three tackles. Just having depth is something that we talk about all the time, but to see it on the field is important. He and Happel really held down that, that nickel spot when Jamal Hill was out. And again, filling in for Verone in the first half at safety from his suspension. Um, and I, I, I mean, I think we might see them even more next week with Nick Pickett out in the first half. So, yeah, I especially, yeah, like you, I especially like Bennett Williams' play. I mean, if you look at his his tape from uh, Illinois, it was just he just made impressive plays there. I mean, he was a um, freshman All American and. I thought he made some big plays tonight, too, um, coming up for a big uh, tackle, I think, on a short pass play to a running back. And in general, I, he was just a guy I had confidence in when he was out on the field that he could play at this level. Um, and he was kind of a bright spot there. I mean, it, I would be excited to give him some more play because I didn't think, uh, I didn't really feel like Happel or Pickett had great games. Um, but, you know, we'll see how that develops going forward but I thought uh you know after this game like you said Bennett Williams is a guy that I'd like to see get the field more yeah totally kind of a defensive point but more overall for me I think that we can expect upgrades in the next two weeks on the field on both sides of the ball um yeah UCLA and Oregon State both Friday night games Um, well now UCLA is Saturday oh it is did they move it yeah, because UCLA is playing uh, tomorrow oh, that's Sunday, right. yeah. so they can't do Sunday to Friday, so they're doing Sunday to Saturday now. That's right. I do remember that now. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, these are teams we should beat. Obviously, we've right. only seen UCLA once, and against Colorado, they lost. But it's – this is the and, – and we'll, we'll see how Oregon State does against Washington here. Um, yeah. But we should definitely be – beating these two teams into the ground in the next two weeks. And I think some Duck fans had that perception of these first two games, even though these are two, you know, decent teams. Uh, I think Wazoo, it's safe to say, is a better team than Stanford at this point. Um, And we saw that based on how we played them and also how they've played against opponents. But I'm ready for the dominance to start because I don't know if we can label this dominance yet. Right, and hopefully we also on the injury front get some guys back like dj johnson's looked so good but i mean it would be it would be nice to play another scholarship tight end also yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh i mean micah not having micah tonight obviously need him back to get to where this team really wants to be i think um flow being back and mixing him in more could be big because obviously he's he's as talented as anyone on the team really and then um Another guy, Popo Amave, this mm-hmm. guy that people are super excited to see, um, who at the end of last year is pushing Jordan Scott, really. Um, and so having him back for more depth on that interior will be really big, too. So hopefully those guys can, can get healthy, get back from whatever they're dealing with exactly. It's a little unclear um, because I think Chris Wall just likes to keep those things quiet for kind of gamesmanship and, you know, get whatever advantage he can out of the unknown there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what, what happens. But getting healthy and working out some kinks against these next two opponents is definitely going to be big going into a, a what should be an intense last three-week stretch with Cal, UW, and then whoever we draw in the South. Which, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you guys watched uh... – the game earlier today with USC and Arizona, but there's really no other way to slice it for me. USC got bailed out again with yeah. yet another yeah. tipped catch that just put them in a position to win. Like we saw this yeah. last week with Arizona State on the tipped touchdown catch. Pretty fortunate. I don't think there's any way 
dancing around that. And then today, I mean, for those who didn't see it, Arizona basically had a chance to end the game with a easy interception that was just dropped right off the hands of the safety and USC caught it inside the eight. So game over basically as the, as USC was making the game winning drive down a few points, but USC doesn't look convincing and that's a good sign for the ducks. If we want to win the conference, because that's the only other team that's being like tossed into our conversation right now as being good enough to beat us. And they did not look good. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, I mean, my hope is just let's let's hope no one watched this game. They just saw, they just look at USC's record, and say, "Oh, two and USC, that's a top twenty-five team." Because <laughs> because if they watch this game, I don't know how you see can something a, a little different. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah. you could you could it's. It would be very easy to argue that USC should be zero and two right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, very, but they should be even. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, not promising things from the Trojans again. Yeah. I guess it's a good sign for us, but. Yeah. I mean, I th- I personally I think it is just in terms of like we want to win as many games as possible and we want to give people a reason to put us in the playoff and we can't control what USC does so. You know, we're, yeah, we're going to take what we can from those games. I think if we win a Power 5 conference, you know, even if it's seven games, if we beat every team by double digits, which, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but just say if we, you know, if we look good, if we take care of business, I think we'll be in a good spot for that playoff conversation. But also I think, um, and this is kind of, you know, we'll get a little more into the national games this weekend, but there weren't a lot of positive developments for the Ducks in that regard. No. And I think it, it made me feel, I mean, especially just there weren't as many opportunities because so many games were canceled and or postponed. Um, but it did make me just feel a little like, you know, playoffs would be great this season. Um, and just, I mean, just the excitement of for the first time in five years, you know, being able to turn on a, a postseason game where we're still in the hunt. Mm-hmm. Um and just, you know, even if we lost by 20 to Alabama or whatever, which who knows what would happen. But, um, you know, just the excitement of that and the brand of, you know, having our logo amongst those four top teams would be awesome. But also this program's building. And if we win the conference, we still have a bid to a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah. And, I mean, and hey, it, it was a great consolation last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that... You know, given where this program's been for the past five years, that's awesome. I mean, and that's, considering the amount of people we lost this year. Right. Yeah. That. Yeah. Especially after opt-outs. I mean, that's ahead of schedule for me still. That's really positive development, especially if we can, you know, win that, win a, win a game like that, um, like we did last year. That gives us all the momentum we need to keep recruiting at the level we are. That puts us in a great position for, you know, to compete for that national championship in years to come. So it's not all or all or nothing this year, definitely. And so kind of looking around the PAC 12 this week, and obviously, you know, we still have to see Washington and Cal, which are big um, factors, but you know, it, I did feel like we, we look like the best team in the conference. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, and if we're the best and if we win the conference, then we are still in line to do all the things that we need to this season, really. Yeah, and so looking around the rest of the conference, we mentioned I briefly mentioned the USC game. They won 34-30 to on that last-second drive again. Um, Colorado had a big win against Stanford on the road. Colorado's now 2-0 and after their win against UCLA. Stanford 0-2 after losing to us, of course, and now Colorado. Stanford surged back at the end, but, I mean, Colorado looked pretty good in this game. Again, it's I have to preface all of these things with it's hard to compare. We don't really know it's what we're early. looking at. Yeah, it's early, and guess what? It's always kind of going to be early this season right (laughs) so i mean we might as well draw some conclusions from those um but entertaining Um, for sure yeah but one one thing also to mention with stanford i think is um obviously we know that they had their backup in last week and then davis mills came in this week but their starter but that was really late in the week so Mm -hmm. um i mean david shaw mentioned in his post-game presser i think just like it was a difficult situation. That's what you kind of deal with um, with this weird COVID season. But I think that had an effect on Stanford, I'm sure, just kind of out of rhythm, especially early in this game, probably with the quarterback. They didn't get many immediate practice reps in with 
leading up to this game. And then they kind of surged back. So there's times in this game when where Colorado looked like they were going to win by three or more scores. And I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. like, oh, that Stanford win last weekend, maybe we shouldn't feel so, um, like, you know, confident about, like, we beat a really solid team. But then Stanford turned back, and, and I felt like Stanford's still solid. They're not, I mean, they're yeah. not a top 25 team. They're not, you know, I mean, they're basically done competing for the conference at this point at 0-2. Um, but they're they're solid. They're, you know, they're not a bad team. They'll get some wins in this conference, I think. Yeah. Obviously, Cal, another team we've really been looking forward to, um, didn't get to play against ASU this weekend. Yeah, Again, another team we were looking forward to seeing after their performance against USC. Maybe less so after what USC did this week. Yeah, and they're taking on um, UCLA tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So Utah we'll, we'll, again. Utah, another team that we don't get to see. Right? <laughs> oh well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we'll see how we'll see how that if those teams can ever get if Utah can get it their season off off the ground really. Um, but yeah, yeah, we'll probably have more reaction to that Cal UCLA game on the pod on midweek pod, and then also the. Oregon State Washington games uh, in progress right now. It's just starting the second quarter and still, you know, somewhat competitive. So, uh, well, we'll yeah. see how that finishes up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's go national real quick to see how the teams in front, quote in front of Oregon, did. Um, number two, Notre Dame, forty-five. Boston College, thirty-one. Even that seems like a favorable scoreline after like the second quarter. Um, I don't really think this one was a contest. Uh, Florida beat the crap out of Arkansas. Kyle Trask is now probably the front runner for the Heisman, un- quite unfortunately, um, for me. And uh, Miami got barely squeaked by Virginia Tech, twenty-five to twenty-four. I don't know if you watched that game, but just yeah, I did. That was kind of unfortunate from an Oregon perspective. But yeah, again, no. like a team that I think Oregon could beat. Right. Uh, I, I don't think... Oh, that, I, I think we're better than Miami. Yeah. I and think they're not a team Miami. competing for a conference title either. So I don't think we have to worry about them. Indiana got fun, another win. That'd be a fun little bowl matchup. Yeah, it would. Miami. Yeah, Mario totally. gets to take on his alma mater. True. Um, <laughs> Indiana shut out Michigan State. Impressive performance there. I mean, I don't yeah. know how impressive shutting out Michigan State is at this point. But, you know, they, they got a win and they'll... They might, yeah. they'll still probably be ranked ahead of us. And getting, next a, week. getting a shutdown is always kind of impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin's 2 and 0 now after their COVID phase is, quote, over. 49 um, 11 win over Michigan, which is like barely Michigan at this point. Um, yeah. I, I thought maybe Harbaugh could resurrect something, but that looked really bad. I, you'd, you'd said Michigan over Ohio State. Is hey, there any, watch. Watch. Are, hey, are you still no. sticking. You know what? It's it's even more solidified now because that assumption was based on negative facts, and this uh, this embellishes that. So, yeah, right. watch, just yeah. watch, just okay. watch. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, really, national perspective, they're just there. Really, wasn't anything to like. Oh, I guess. Yeah, I mean, SMU lost. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, they were up because they were up uh, 21-0, I think, and they ended up losing 28-24. So that was, yeah. you know, I... Yeah, no, I, I literally just enough. realized that they lost. I had turned that game off, stopped checking uh, on it, I think, after they took the big lead. The Hugh Freeze uh, train keeps on chugging at Liberty. They're 8-0. Yeah. Big win over Western Carolina today. Uh, I don't <laughs> Western Carolina's uh, first game of the season. Yeah, that's interesting. I think Hugh Freeze is in the line to get some job, you know, whether it be, I mean, who knows? Could be, could be Auburn, could be, I don't know. Michigan's a little buttoned up. Like, I don't know if Michigan would really go for Hugh Freeze. Yeah, he's, I think he's, but staying, like a, like now that you mention it, I think he's definitely staying below the Dixie line. Um, yeah. <laughs> could he go to like, could he go to USC? I mean, I don't, does that I don't count? know. I, I don't I know. Wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past USC based on their history. I yeah, don't they don't that's... have any. They don't have any problem compromising on character. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, I think he. he pre- Never mind. I'm not. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Insert Hugh Freeze joke here in LA. But um, 
what else happened around the country today? Northwestern got a touchdown win over Purdue. Northwestern is now 4-0. Still don't really expect them to make much noise in the Big Ten. Um, but, hey, I'm willing to be proved wrong. I don't have anything against Northwestern. And, obviously, we had a lot of cancellations this week. So, Alabama, Ohio State, A&M, Georgia, uh, Auburn, all out of action this week. But And even Coastal Carolina, for all you uh, Coastal Carolina fans, fans out there. Yeah, the, we have a dedicated listenership from that fan base, I think. Excellent. <laughs> Dude, I, I love Coastal Carolina. I love it. <laughs> Especially because early in the season, their whole thing was like, yeah, we'll play anybody. Like, literally anybody. <laughs> they, right. they beat everybody. So No, yeah. I, I'm... I'm curious, actually, because with all these cancellations, some people are throwing around the possibility that the um, playoff selection date could be pushed back. Mm -hmm. So, I I mean, this is like totally long shot speculation. Like, there's no talks in the work or anything. But, like, if that got pushed back two weeks, like, let's let's throw BYU on our schedule. Like, let's just do it. Let's just say, like, hey, play us. Yeah. Hey, test negative and we're good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that would be that would be really cool and in a way to like bolster. Yeah, just because I mean I think pushing up against that, um, those seven games. I mean, as many games as you could get in, yeah. it's gonna be best for that playoff committee. And hopefully, I mean we're we've made it through two weeks. We're lucky to do that, and hopefully, we can get another week where. You know, we get to see the Ducks play. Yeah. Um, real quick, read. What is Coastal Carolina's mascot without looking? Um, oh, oh, it's a, it's a, it's like a turquoise bird of some sort. I think. The uh, uh, the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. I'm probably was, botching that, but I was about to say that. Oh, on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally um all right no, i, I kind of knew what it looked like but i had no idea what the name was <laughs> i just i remembered that from a couple weeks ago and i was like i <laughs> that, that's very unique i love that um yeah. anything else you want to mention before we sign off no i think we're good yeah um oh yeah i guess one thing our uh our ducks twitter legendary guest um wasn't oh, able yes. to make it on the pod for this week. So I think we're, we're planning to have him on um, to wrap up next weekend's game. So yeah, you guys, you guys are going to want to tune into that. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, and hopefully we'll have Paul back by then too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see what's up with him. Um, so yeah, good win for the Ducks. Um, first win in Pullman since 2014. And a lot to be excited about. Going into the the, quote soft part of our schedule. So, right. Yeah. All right. See you. Go, Ducks. Go, Ducks.